Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, Americans. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, if you want to be on the show, 877-973-7425. We need to talk real politics for a few moments here, if you will. Joe Biden is having to decide whether or not he's going to run again for the presidency. The thinking inside the White House and his advisors is that he will pull the trigger and he will announce he will run again for president of the United States. And I want to I, I just want to lay out the dynamics here moving forward for the presidency and for the president, for the Republicans and the Democrats. We have good economic news today. The end of 2022 ended with the uh, economic growth of 2.9%. It's higher than what uh, economists had expected. It means the economy is not in a recession. Even as people are thinking we may head towards a recession, it's good news for the president that the economy was surging ahead. So he's got that good news. But then he has a potentially expanded war in Ukraine with American Abrams tanks. And Russia, if, I mean, if Russia is going to end this, it's probably going to be with Vladimir Putin dead. And that's going to destabilize Europe. It's going to destabilize Russia. We're going to have to deal with that. Or maybe the Russians even get more aggressive in Ukraine. The Russians are clamoring, and I've got to say, uh, I've gotten emails from people about the Ukraine situation. Oh, this is just going to provoke Russia. It's going to provoke Russia. I don't give a damn about the Russians. The Russians are the ones who invaded. You either stop them or embolden them. You don't give in to the bully. I'm sorry. Some people are scared of the Russians. Oh, the Russians. I mean, the, the Russians have not been able to hold up against the Ukrainians. Do you really think they're going to hold up against us? Oh, but they have nukes, but they have nukes. And the bully has a fist, and he will punch you. So should you just take the punch? No. But Biden has to navigate this. He's got to navigate the Turks. The Turks are now saying they don't want the Swedes to come into NATO because of an Islamic uh, Quran burning in Stockholm. The Swedes are involved in the diplomacy there. The Biden team is involved. You've got the Iranian situation. You've got the Saudi situation. You've got the Chinese. Let's not forget the North Koreans are still out there too. You've got all of that. Comes with the territory. It comes with the territory of being the president of the United States. But it comes with the territory of being the president of the United States, and he is already 80 years old and is showing his age. You got to deal with the diplomatic ties in Europe over the IRA, that is the Inflation Reduction Act, that did not reduce inflation. The Europeans are mad at it. You got to keep them on our side. And on top of all of that, you got to deal with the Republicans in Congress. And guess what? The debt ceiling fight is coming. So let's talk about the debt ceiling fight. There are two camps in the debt ceiling fight. There is the go on and increase it camp, a clean increase. And there is the cut spending camp that the House Republicans are in. The Senate Republicans, the Senate Democrats, and the House Democrats and Joe Biden just want a clean debt ceiling increase. House Republicans want cuts. 
What I am being told behind the scenes may actually happen is the Republicans in the House are thinking of a clean increase in the debt ceiling for a short period of time. What is a short period of time? Well, the fiscal year for the United States in September 30th, October 1st is the new fiscal year. The Republicans have to get their budget plan in place by October 1st. Remember, Kevin McCarthy committed to the conservatives in exchange for their votes. He would prioritize an actual budget that balances. So if the Republicans increase the debt ceiling with a clean increase right now, it buys them time to come up with a plan to make spending cuts and balance the budget to present to the Senate by the end of the fiscal year. So you raise the debt ceiling and you estimate out the increase to go until October. That gives you between January and September to come up with your plan for cuts so that you actually have a negotiable room uh, to negotiate with the president when it comes time to raise the debt ceiling again. That makes sense to me. So here, here's the problem. The Republicans took the House on January 3rd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they won the election in November. They didn't get sworn in until January 3rd. It took them a week to decide on the Speaker. So now we're two weeks into Kevin McCarthy being Speaker. You've got all these other issues that have to be done. And do you want to draw focus on the debt ceiling? That's got to be increased probably by June or July. Or... Do you want to kick the can to September? You're still in this year. That gives you time to prepare your budget. That gives you time to come up with a real game plan for cutting spending. The Biden administration's position is, well, Republicans, if you want to cut spending, what do you want to cut? I don't want to cut anything. So you show me what you want to cut. Whatever they propose to cut, the Biden administration will have a problem with. You know it, and I know it. Everybody knows it. Whatever the Republicans cut, the Democrats will have a problem with it. One of the things the Republicans intend to cut are the 87,000 new IRS agents that the Democrats say aren't true, aren't real, never happened, and by the way, they're a good thing. So you cut the IRS agents. Okay, what else do you cut? That's not a lot. What else do you cut? The Democrats want the Republicans to show them what they're cutting. Biden's got to deal with this too. He's got to deal with this headache. He's got to deal with the finances. He's got to deal with, with the economy. And a recession is probably coming. There's good news about the economy today. There actually is. It's good news about the economy. But the reality is there's got to be something both to cut and there's also got to be some recognition of the fact that uh, we do have a slowdown. We do have... Uh, recession looming. We do have layoffs coming. We do have real problems. Now, one of the other things, by the way, the Republicans want to do with the debt ceiling fight, they would very much like to come up with a border deal for border security. Congressman Chip Roy was on Fox News talking about the border. 
this is a lengthy clip. I don't want to play all of it, but let me let me play you some of this clip on Fox News. What we're seeing in South Texas with the continued expansion of cartels, we're now seeing you know murders at the hands of cartels, uh, fentanyl pouring into our communities. Uh, this is the same old story. A lot of us have been now saying for the last two years, and now the Biden administration is going to double down on policies using parole, which is supposed to be a case-by-case uh, authority, to now say that they're going to take people from certain countries, bring them into the United States under that with a sort of get by, you know, go, don't go past go, come straight into the United States, uh, and they're going to get a, a path to a visa. Meanwhile, they're going to be then turning away people at the border and, and at, from those countries, but they're going to bypass the border and bring them straight into the United States. Hmm. That's what the, that's the kind of games they're playing, and that's the games they've been playing. This is why I introduced H.R. 29. That's why uh, Majority Leader Scalise made it one of our priorities, because we need to detain or turn away. That's what we need to do to change the policies at the border. And Republicans have got to get with the program and understand what it means to actually do something about it instead of speaking about it. It is our time to act. you got to use the debt ceiling fight, the spending fight, and actually we're going to have to do what the Senate didn't do when Mitch McConnell capitulated to Democrats in December and took away our leverage now. We're going to have to use the debt ceiling and the spending fight in September to demand that Biden do the right thing, and H.R. 29 is the right path forward. That's Chip Roy. Friend of the show, friend of mine, uh, should be coming to the conference in August. He wants to use the debt ceiling and the spending fight to deal with uh, the border, and he's not wrong on that. Uh, It makes a ton of sense to do. Larry Kudlow was on Fox News talking about the debt ceiling and the spending. Those Democrats will do anything, lying through their teeth. I mean this sincerely. I don't like to use that word, but these are just false charges. That's why I said, whoa, that's not like you to use that word. Look, go to the... I asked Kevin McCarthy directly, all right, and he made the answers. It was written, the Wall Street Journal's reporting this. I mean, come on, you're telling me at a 24% of gross domestic product, out of a bill of $1.7 trillion, we've increased spending, we've increased spending by $4 trillion in Biden's first two years. He's got $5 trillion in additional uh, borrowing, debt, in other words. Mm-hmm. We can't find a penny on the dollar to cut. I mean, the Republicans are so totally right to say no debt ceiling to finance even more spending. Yes. So what's Biden going to do? It's going to be an interesting fight coming forward. He's got a lot on his plate. Meanwhile, the Republicans have their own problems moving into 2024. Where do you go forward? Nikki Haley is starting a finance committee that suggests she's going to run for president of the United States. Mike Pompeo has a book coming out. He says he's going to be thinking about it for the next few months. He's probably going to run. Mike Pence looks like he's going to run. He's making the rounds. Ron DeSantis obviously looks like he's going to run. Christy Nome looks like she's going to run. Um, those are your major contenders. And then Tim Scott, possibly in the Senate, he had his book come out. Uh, there are a lot of people behind the scenes who would like him to run. He's not sure about doing it, it seems. Maybe he will. You got contenders on the right, plus Donald Trump's. So you may have this dynamic, interestingly. Ron DeSantis is a couple years younger than me. I think he's 42 years old. You may have a 44-year-old Republican running against an 82-year-old Democrat. Kind of like those odds in terms of energy and stamina. Did you all see the video of DeSantis He was at Kansas City for the uh, Jaguars game, and the Kansas City Chiefs fans heralded him like he was some conquering hero. I mean, the Kansas team, the the Missouri, those people, they heralded him as if he was some sort of conquering champion. 
Now, there's polling out that has Donald Trump ahead of Ron DeSantis among Republicans nationwide. But when you look state by state, particularly the early states, it's kind of fascinating. Uh, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, New Hampshire, uh, South Carolina, those states are pretty early in the contest where you start racking up delegates, winner-take-all states. And DeSantis is ahead of Trump at the state level in those states. Iowa, too. Iowa Republicans, DeSantis is doing well. It's state by state. DeSantis seems to be doing better than Trump. Nationally, you got a lot of Republicans who say they like the known and declared candidate Donald Trump against the hypothetical candidate Ron DeSantis, who has not declared he's running for president, yet he's focused on being governor. And of course, the real candidate against the hypothetical candidate does well. But when you get into the states, in New Hampshire, DeSantis beats Trump in the Republican primary. In South Carolina and North Carolina, DeSantis beats Trump. In Georgia, DeSantis beats Trump. In Iowa, DeSantis beats Trump. In Florida, DeSantis beats Trump. That gives DeSantis, if he was able to pull this off, real momentum in a 2024 contest. And by the way, I know that you're thinking, my gosh, Erickson. I mean, the election's not even until November of next year. Don't look now, folks. Well, the Iowa caucus is less than a year away now. New Hampshire is a year away, assuming the Republicans keep the same schedule. We are within a year of the first votes for the presidency of the United States for the Republican nomination. They're going to start making their, their claims known very soon as to whether or not they're going to run. And every single person thinks DeSantis is actually going to run. And right now, the national polling level, Donald Trump kicks his butt. At the state-by-state state level, for the early states in the Republican contest, a hypothetical DeSantis, who hasn't announced he's running for president, is already dominating everyone else, including the former president. That shows you where momentum in this race heads in those early contests. And right now, that momentum is his. I don't know whether he can maintain it or not. Other candidates are about to declare themselves, and declared candidates tend to poll better than hypothetical candidates. But we're within a year of those hypotheticals becoming realities as people show up to vote in Iowa within 365 days. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee, and now more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible, and there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. There's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or even reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses, so don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free five-minute questionnaire at Refunds with an S, RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. Let me jump over to the phones. Marie has waited very patiently here. Marie, welcome to the show. Oh, 
Well, thank you, Ms. Erickson. I have a question uh, about the uh, Santis, the House of Representatives. I was yes. listening to uh, the, a news channel, a real news channel, and uh, the newsman said that uh, I didn't get the name of it because the bell rang. And uh, it seems like one of the other House representatives was uh, stating that um, he did vote for McCarthy. He did two, went through two rounds of, you know, saying yay or nay, and he went with the right way. But he said, we may have to think about letting him go. They don't know if there's a possibility. I don't know. I think he mentioned something about financing thing or whatever. And I'm thinking, why are we in such a hurry to get rid of him if he's voting the way he's supposed to vote? Right. And uh, out here on the street, I hear like where you go shopping or where you go here or after church, you know, people are talking. And I thought, my God, they, they said, oh, he's terrible. He's immoral. He wore a dress in Argentina and he lied, lied, lied. I said, well, he's probably been lying for a long time. He's only 34. He's not that old. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I, I, you know, really, let's think about it. His whole life seems a lie since he took his first breath. And I'm like, I'm standing outside the box and I have a roundtable group from all states. We get together, doctors, surgeons, you know, attorneys, I mean, you know, professors, it's a high intellectual group. So we don't really yell and scream at each other. We discuss. And uh, they were saying that they think that maybe we should let him go because of his morals and, and all that lying. And uh, I said, well, I said, he's done fine so far. He's voted the way the conservatives want the votes to go. I said, we don't know what kind of life he had. He said, well, he was a drag queen when I said he was probably young. And maybe that's how he put food in his belly and got a roof over his head. I said, and I'm the only one there and I'm not those degree type persons. I I am a degree, but not that that far. So I'm I'm, I'm almost out of time here. Let let me give you my thoughts on this one. Um, I think this guy was lawfully elected by the people of his district. And so he can stay until if they find him guilty of a felony, he's being investigated for some campaign finance problems. He gets to stay. I mean, we have a uh, Democratic senator who claimed to be Native American and isn't. We have a Democratic senator who claimed to be uh, fought in Vietnam and he didn't. And we have a Democratic president who every other day comes up with a new story that's not true. Santos seems to me to be a real sociopath who I see suspect if the people of his district had known ahead of time, uh, they would not have voted for him. I would not have voted for him. Uh, But he's there now, sworn into office. Nobody can force the guy out. It doesn't matter whether he should or shouldn't resign. That's on him. They can't make him leave unless he's been found guilty of a crime based on House precedent. And Kevin McCarthy says, He's not pushing the guy out unless he's found guilty of a crime. So he's there for at least two years. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go off on a wild tangent. That's, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll weave a couple of things together. I want to start with uh, Varad Mehta in the Washington Examiner, who I don't know in person, but we interact a lot on Twitter. He's got this this piece. 
Familiarity breeds contempt, and there was something both familiar and contemptible about the brouhaha last week over a possible federal ban on gas stoves. The firestorm was ignited by Richard Trumka Jr., a member of the Consumer Product Safety Commission, who told Bloomberg his agency was considering all options to address increasing concerns about the emissions produced by the devices, including an outright ban. No sooner was the trial balloon aloft than critics stampeded to blast it from the sky. You can pry my gas stove from my cold, dead hands, erupted Representative Ronnie Jackson of Texas. Republicans of the House Committee on Energy and Commerce scorched the proposal. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin proclaimed that the last thing that would ever leave my house is the gas stove we cook on. The White House moved quickly to extinguish the nation's controversy, issuing a statement that President Biden doesn't support such a ban. The head of the Consumer Product Safety Commission insisted the agency was taking no steps to outlaw gas stoves. Trumka tweeted any new regulations would only apply to new stoves, not those already in homes. But Trumka's initial statement hadn't come out of nowhere. States and municipalities across the country have banned new gas hookups. Berkeley, California did so in 2019. New York City did it in 2021. California and tends to phase them out by 2030. Kathy Huckel of New York introduced legislation in the state to follow suit. Yet for the media, the real story was not the barmy idea of banning gas stoves, but the outrage it provoked. Outrage, that as ever, was worse than the idea itself because it was Republicans expressing the outrage. Characteristic was the Washington Post which charged that Republicans had thrust gas stoves, Biden's green agenda, into the culture wars. Wired, The Guardian, Yahoo News, Axios, and Politico were just a few that bundled logs onto the culture war pyre. After all, isn't it usually the arsonist who sounds the alarm? Now, you should know, earlier this week, Bloomberg, the Washington Post, and a few other outlets yet again ran stories that, yes, in fact, gas stoves are bad for you. Yes, in fact, gas stoves probably should be banned. They told us it wasn't happening, and this this is a recurring pattern. The left has this habit of announcing something when people on the right raise complaints about it. They say it is not true. It is not happening. And all the while they work behind the scenes to make it happen. And they deny up until the moment it happens that it's happening. And then once it happens, they say, how dare you complain, you bigot? This is good for you. Look at the rise, for example, of thruples. There are more and more people declaring themselves to be thruples. Rick Santorum was vilified in the run-up to the Supreme Court's decision in gay marriage, saying, if two men can get married, why not three men? If love is love, why can't you marry an object you love? And suddenly there are stories in New York about thruples, and you're a bigot if you oppose the thruple. You're a hater because love is love. Never mind that just a couple years ago they were telling us this will never happen. This would never, ever happen. Drag Queen Story Hour was an anomaly of far left coast places. 
and you were just a worry wart for complaining. They didn't happen everywhere. And then they started happening all over the country, including in conservative enclaves. And of course they were going to happen, you bigot. They've been happening the whole time, you rube. This is the left's pattern. Deny something is happening until it becomes too obvious to deny and then claim it's always been happening and is good for you. It's what they're doing with the gas stoves and everybody knows it. But really what's going on here on the gas stove side of things, the environmental side of things, it is the slow attempt to destroy your quality of life in the name of a better world. Chefs love gas stoves. Chefs love gas stoves because of the power to control the flame, the ability to do things like flambe, the ability to char vegetables right on the stovetop. You can't do that with electric. You can't do that with induction. You can do that with gas. Gas is also cheaper for poor people than an electric stove. Natural gas tends to be cheaper and people use it. A lot of people, my parents included, have space heaters in their home that run off natural gas. People have been using it for generations. No one ever had a problem with it until now. And the only reason they're having a problem with it is not the pollution it causes, which has never been their stated concern until recently. It's global warming. These are the people who want you to stop drinking cow's milk in favor of cockroach milk. Yeah, I'm not making that up and I'm trying not to gag. Story came out two weeks ago that, you know, it's actually more nutritious, packs a wallop, just as good. You should try it. You'll notice the researchers aren't the ones drinking it. Oh, I'm going to gag. They don't want you to eat steak. They want you to eat synthetic beef. For years, the researchers have told us the most processed food is the food you should avoid. The most processed food is the synthetic hemoglobin-induced meat. And now they're telling you, you should eat this stuff. It's not that it's good for you. It's good for the environment. Put the environment over you. Put the environment's health over your health. This ultimately is the problem with where we're at as a society. The left can no longer be honest about its stated goals. It's gaslighting us. Its stated goals are to save the planet at the expense of humanity, not to find a way to adapt. See, the, 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 the no-brainer here is to adapt. It makes sense to me you adapt. Humans regularly adapt. We should be able to adapt. But the left doesn't want us to adapt because the left, ultimately, they're Malthusians. They believe the world will eventually run out of resources and they want the resources and you hicks and rubes need to die and you're not. So they need to find a way to inconvenience your life so you give up on it and let go of it. So they'll get rid of your gas stove and they'll get rid of your fossil fuel burning car. What's so perverse here is they've induced a number of people to buy battery-powered cars, and those battery-powered cars are charged with electricity that comes from coal-fired plants and natural gas plants and nuclear-powered plants that the left is opposed to. And they want you to get used to this third-world 
situation. In California, the power regularly goes off. It went off in Texas during an ice storm, and that was an anomaly. In California, it's a regular occurrence, and they want you to get used to it. I was reading a story the other day about South Africa. Someone tried to poison, actually successfully poisoned, but did not kill the head of the South African power utility. It's a dangerous job. The country has poor infrastructure, poor power infrastructure, and the power goes off for hours every day, everywhere, all over South Africa, except in a handful of cities that are tourist traps. And it has become a way of life for the power to go out in South Africa. That is what the left wants for you here. They want you to get used to having the power go out several hours every day to save on emissions. They want to destroy your quality of life. They want to do it very slowly and very incrementally so it's a new normal. It reminds me years ago when they got rid of phosphates. At the time, I assumed there'd be some mass uprising in the state of Washington where they'd be beating up the politicians for degrading their quality of life. They got rid of phosphates in dishwasher tablets. And if you know anything about dishwasher tablets, phosphates break the bond between the dried up food and the plate. You get cleaner dishes, but they decided to get rid of it. Your dishes are messier. And then they were like, well, if you did them by hand, you wouldn't have to worry about it. They're trying to slowly degrade your quality of life in a way that they think you won't pay attention and won't feel. And in some ways, they've been successful. I was talking to my buddy, uh, David Nicholas, yesterday. David Nicholas, he's uh, my financial advisor. He's got a show on um, WSB Radio, my flagship. He's been on with me a couple of times. And so I was doing a part of his podcast with him. Yesterday, it off. Boy, he's got a great office. I'm jealous. But nonetheless, um, so David and I were talking about buying bonds. You, you can buy bonds on the market, but I was talking about government bonds. And he was talking about how convoluted the process is. You have to go to a particular website. You have to get codes. You have to give codes. You have to verify prices. It's a very difficult thing to buy bonds. I tried. Uh, my buddy Clark Howard has recommended a type of government bond. It pays 10%. I've tried to get on the site. I've tried to co- uh, connect an account, and they promised to mail me a code in the mail. And this was a couple of months ago. I'm still waiting for the code to be able to get in to buy these sorts of bonds. You can only buy so many unless you want your tax return paid in this bond as well. It's a convoluted, complicated process. They've made it almost impossible for you to buy a government bond. It is a degraded, miserable process. And they're trying to do that with the rest of the world around you as well. Look at how much more difficult they've made it for you to buy pseudoephedrine. You have a major congestion. You want the pseudofed, the real pseudofed, the stuff with the pseudoephedrine. You got to go present your driver's license. You got to fill out a form in the name of stopping the meth heads. You want to go buy a gun. You can't just go buy a gun, which is your constitutional right to to possess firearms. No, you got to go through the complicated process, and God forbid the system's down that day. They're trying to make your life miserable through bureaucracy. And they're gaslighting you about it, claiming they're not. They're denying they want to get rid of the gas stoves when they very clearly do want to get rid of the gas stoves in the name of the environment. Everything the left does is not to save you or improve your quality of life. It's to exterminate you so the planet can save itself. 
This is why they back abortion on demand. It's a climate change thing. They want to sacrifice your kids to Moloch so the harvest comes in well, except they want to harvest without you there to plow the fields and grow the crops because it'll do it on its own if we would just get out of the way and let Mother Nature work her magic. These are people who worship the planet. They've traded the creator for creation. And to do that, they've made your life as inconvenient as possible. They will have your power go off in the day. They will have you drive a battery-powered car that runs out in the middle of the night without power to charge it. They will have your heat costs go up, your food costs go up, your ability to eat meat go up. All of these costs will continue to rise, and the left will feel good about themselves because it's inevitably a bunch of rich white people who can afford the cost of all of these things that the middle class and the poor can't. The only way, the only way, to change the course and to stop them is the most powerful thing you can do. Vote. Vote against them. Show up and vote against them. Reject their ideas. Reject their ideology. Reject their fear. Reject their plans. You do it all by voting against them. It's a powerful tool. And it's one that they would themselves love to encumber and burden you with. They claim all the time that they want to make voting as easy as possible. They really don't. They don't want people to reject them. They just want to make sure that their people who are willing to go along with this vote, the rest of you, you go vote. You can stop them. You can stop them in large portions of this country so that they can't do anything at the federal level. But you got to be able to engage and go vote for good candidates, not the crazies. The good people who will stop them. There are plenty out there willing to, as long as you're willing to vote for them. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Let me go to the phones. Uh, I got time for one more phone call here. Bill, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. I appreciate it. Look at me. Last call of the day. Um, sure. So I was listening to the radio about the these, these five cops who mur- basically murdered this guy in Memphis. And my question is, Will they be brought up on civil rights violations, federal crimes, as far as and also hate crimes? Because they should be. So I, I just um, haven't heard any discussion about that. Merrick Garland's not popping his head up. So yeah, it, it is kind of it is kind of funny there. Um, well, I shouldn't say funny, but uh, you, you get my meaning here. We've got the. I do. Uh, the the uh, these five cops they're all black are charged in the killing of another black person so uh they're not going to be charged with hate crimes because of the way the hate crimes wording is that uh real hard to charge black police officers with hating a fellow black person because of their race so they're not going to um charge them with a hate crime, but it is a terribly sad and, and um, dour case uh, that something like this happened. It's, it's just, it's, it's a real tragedy. And I don't know if you guys have heard about this. I assume you've heard about this. These police officers uh, charged with killing this uh, man in Tennessee. And for those of you who don't know, um, so I've got my, I've got my sister lives over near Memphis. I've got a friend of mine, uh, Luke, who lives over in Memphis and it's, not a really the Memphis area, not a great place to live these days. Now, my sister and, and my buddy Luke, they live further out. Um, but it's a the crime there and the Memphis area is not good. And the local leaders 
the, the whole place has fallen apart and, and the police are stressed and uh, they're undertrained and overtaxed, overworked. And it's just, it's a all around tragic situation that this has happened. And these five guys now being charged in the deaths of the, um, I for, I'm trying to look while I was talking, cannot remember the guy's name, but it's just, it, it's a, it's a sad thing. And you know, this gets to the police situation down in Atlanta where the Antifa people are still rioting and targeting police and harassing people and vandalizing things is the better you train the police, the less likely to something this happens. And these people are standing in the way of a police training facility designed to improve police training. And they claim, and they're all a bunch of white kids from New England. They all claim for, for just bizarre reasons that they want to do this to help that they want to do this to uh to to help the black community that they want to do this to uh protect the black community and yet they're burning and vandalizing black businesses they're attacking black police officers uh it's it's a deep hypocrisy from a bunch of rich white kids who've embraced a bunch of worldly cults who consider themselves non-binary and the such, they are all struggling with mental health issues and they have gravitated towards this cause. And in the process, these good white kids claiming that they're standing up for civil rights and justice are harassing and tormenting black police officers, hurting black businesses and claiming they're all doing it for the black community. You know, a hundred years from now, sociologists, anthropologists, and the like, they're going to look at our society right now in the 21st century, think, my gosh, this was an entire society driven to off the cliff of mental health. The whole of society has gone insane. And I, I can't help but look at it now. The, the wokes and all, society is going insane right now. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, I suppose. Maybe this is what the end times are supposed to look like, I guess. Uh, but my gosh, people have just lost their minds Seek the welfare of the community in which you live. There you'll find your welfare. You you Yankee Antifa kids, go home. 